Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 431. Today is November 15th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, as you can hear, my voice isn't improving any. However, I do want to give you a brief message to cover up a couple points. First one being that I do think that yesterday's breakout in all markets was extremely impressive. Now, I'm not yet running out and jumping into this rally for the same reasons that I've been cautious all year. I'm not going to go into all that. I just don't think the fundamentals, especially with the possible reality that we are in a higher interest rate environment for longer, if that's the case, then I think that valuations have to readjust to that new reality. But as we all know, fundamentals and rationale doesn't drive the short-term day-to-day movements in the stock market. Uh, In any case, I don't want to get into all that. I do want to emphasize, though, that yesterday was extremely impressive across the board. Not only did prices go up on all the major indices and went up substantially. Uh, Incidentally, let let me interject here with a side note. I get a lot of questions as to why I want to be in money market funds as opposed to going and getting a little bit better of an interest rate by locking in a CD or um, you know a three-month or 12-month T-bill. Well, the main reason for that is the liquidity of a money market fund, meaning that I can instantaneously use that money in the money market fund to jump back into the market whenever I think it's appropriate. I can't do that with CDs because they have a hard maturity date. Uh, Potentially, I could do that with treasuries because I could always sell the treasuries. But remember, the other reason that I'm in money market funds is because of the fact that they preserve principal. And in an environment like we're in right now, I want to preserve my principal. If I'm dealing in treasuries or directly by owning bonds, because the principal value of bonds and treasury notes can vary with interest rate variability, that means that you do have interest rate risk. And so that means that the principal of your investment is only guaranteed to the degree that you hold it to maturity. And so again, if I'm going to market time and keep my money in something like a bond or a T-bill, I run the risk of having to sell it for less than my original principal amount. Now, that's not necessarily a big deal because I don't think the rates are skyrocketing from here like we've seen over the last year, but I do think that there's interest rate risk. And again, for me and my money, because money market funds are paying a real rate of return because they're 100% immediately liquid and because they preserve my principal value, well, that's exactly why I want to be in money market funds right now and not T-bills or CDs or anything else. Okay, so now where was I? Oh yeah, yesterday's performance. Number one, in terms of price, it was absolutely impressive. We had increases above 2% in the S&P 500. Small caps were up, I think, almost 5.5%. Oh, and again, incidentally, getting back to that, why you want to be liquid and able to jump into the market at the appropriate time. Because remember, if you go to a CD right now or a treasury, yeah, you can lock in another 25 basis points or something. But what did the markets move yesterday? Right? If you were in small caps yesterday, 
you'd have made five and a half percent in one day. So I think locking in short-term rates right now is really, well, really, I think it's akin to being in the market. I think you're trying to pick up pennies in front of a steamroller. I digressed again. Where, where am I at? Okay. So yeah. So yesterday, again, performance was absolutely superior in terms of price. It was also, and this is something we haven't seen in a while, it was also extraordinary in terms of volume. So now you have both price and volume with momentum favor. That's a good sign. It's an extremely good sign. And then finally, we had what we really haven't been seeing, which was across the board. And what I mean by that is it, you know, the performance wasn't just in a handful of stocks or it wasn't just in one index. It was across the board. You had all stocks virtually performing extremely well and especially a catch-up trade where ones that hadn't done well in the past did really well yesterday. Now, the one caveat to all this, the one problem I see in it is remember that superior performance on small caps where yesterday everybody just jumped into small caps. Well, remember about 37 or 38, I forget what the number is, but call it 38% of Russell 2000 small cap companies. Well, they're not profitable. These are essentially zombie companies that over the last 10 or 15 years have been able to exist because interest rates were at or near zero or at least extremely artificially depressed. Now, interest rates are a matter of an arbitrary decision by the central bank. And so I'm always cautious when I try and predict the future when it comes to the central bank. But I do think that it's very likely that we are moving into a higher interest rate environment, at least certainly higher than we'd seen over the last 10 or 15 years. If that's the case, then unless the Fed or some other agency steps in with more financial alchemy, and we can never rule that out, but unless they step in to support all these small, unprofitable zombie companies, then I don't see how they survive. Remember, if these companies couldn't make money when they were paying basically nothing to borrow money, how are they going to turn a profit if they've got to start paying junk bond yields to refinance their loans? That's the conundrum. Again, that's one of my major concerns about this higher for longer, higher interest rate environment. If it holds, then these unprofitable zombie companies have to go out of business. And we're starting to see some signs of that, right? Best Buy went out of business. WeWork went out of business. The scam crypto and SPAC type companies like FTX, those those uh, fraudulent companies have been resolved and I'm sure more shoes will eventually drop. But all this takes a while to work its way through the system. And just because the market had a really good breakthrough day yesterday doesn't mean that we're headed to all-time new record highs. In fact, I think there's an extremely very heavy resistance around the S&P 500 at 4,600. It's failed at that level before. I suspect it will fail there now. Even if it doesn't, I will remain skeptical because looking at the best corporate earnings rates for next year, depending on where you want to believe earnings are going to grow next year, whether you think they're going to grow at 5% or maybe 10%, that puts earnings next year optimistically somewhere around $230 to $240. If you divide that into S&P 500 at $4,600, you get a 19 or 20 times price per earnings ratio 
that didn't used to be a problem when we were in a very low or a negative interest rate environment, but a 19 or a 20 times PE is equivalent to about a five or a five and a quarter percent interest rate. Well, that's exactly what you can get right now in money market funds. So I think the case remains of why take the risk of being in the stock market with a fundamental optimistic rate of return next year of maybe five, five and a quarter percent when you can safely sit in a money market fund and earn the same yield, right? That's ultimately the question. That's the argument I've been making all year. The market has been driven up lately on what I believe is irrational exuberance based primarily on two things, and that's that interest rates are coming down and corporate profits are going up. I'm not so sure both of those or either one of those is true, specifically in terms of the enthusiasm around corporate profits and the fact that corporate profits have hit a bottom. Well, maybe they have, but you should be aware of the shell game or the shenanigans that's played with what the media refers to as earnings estimate beats. That's where, you know, you see the headline that says, Home Depot beat earnings estimates. And then there's a glamoring article about how fantastic profits are holding up at Home Depot because it, they, they beat estimates. Well, remember, estimates are just estimates. Estimates are talk. Talk is cheap. You should never listen to what someone says you should watch what they do. That applies to corporations. Don't listen to what they say they're going to earn. Look at what they actually earned. So specifically in the case of Home Depot, and they're reporting this past week about their earnings and the big headline about how they beat earnings estimates. Well, it's malarkey. It's a shell game. Ah, let me interject here. I'm culturally appropriating the word shenanigan from the Irish. Now, as far as I know, I have no Irish in me. I do have quite a bit of Welsh, but primarily I identify ethnically with my Italian grandfather, and I don't know of an equivalent word in Italian for shenanigan. If you know one, I'll be, you know, let me know. I'll be happy to use it in the future. I will say, by the way, that when I was a kid, I thought I knew an Italian equivalent word for shenanigan, because my grandfather used it on such a regular basis. But as I grew a little bit older, I realized that my grandfather wasn't speaking Italian. It was simply his broken English version of an American word. And his word for shenanigan, the way he pronounced it, was bullishita. Now, I love the word bullishita, but I really don't know how to spell it. Uh, so in any case, we're going to call this shell game with earnings estimate beats as a shenanigan. It's a feint. It's a phony. It's a con game. Look at Home Depot. Yeah, they beat earnings estimates, but their profit for October of 2023, when you compare it to the profit from October of 2022, it was down by 10%. No, a profit degradation year over year of 10% for a major corporation like Home Depot regardless of what they were estimating for this quarter. The fact of the matter is, is that both top and bottom line, Home Depot lost ground. And they lost ground significantly, especially when it comes to profits. A 10% decrease year over year 
is a big number. And to paper it over it and say about how great it is and how things aren't as bad as we thought. And the stock shooting up, you know, some 6 or 7% yesterday, in my opinion, is irrational. Because specifically in Home Depot's case, I don't think that their sales and profitability are necessarily going to get any better over the next coming quarter or two. So I'm not going to rush out to buy Home Depot, especially not when it bounced yesterday. Now, I mentioned that Home Depot not only had degradation on the bottom line, but even on the top line. And that was a little obfuscated, too, because while they did admit, and I'm talking about the media, the way they covered the story, they did admit that Home Depot's top-line sales revenue was down by about 3%. But what they failed to point out is that with inflation running, well, let's just call it 3.5%, because headlines running at 3 Core CPI inflation is running at four, so let's just call it three and a half. If Home Depot had a decrease of 3% in sales, when you factor in the inflation rate, that means that their real sales rate year over year was down by at least six and a half percent. That's not a good sign when a major retailer like Home Depot is putting up those kind of numbers. It doesn't make me want to run out and buy stocks. I'll just close out by saying that the other thing that's been driving the stock market up lately is this enthusiasm around the fact that inflation continues to moderate. Well, yeah, we know that inflation has been going down since March of 2022, but it's that last little bit that's the hardest to get rid of. And with a headline of three or a core CPI of 4%, that's still significantly above two, especially when for so many years we couldn't even get to a 2% inflation rate. I also look at the headwinds affecting higher prices for longer, and that includes all the reinvestment that's going to have to take place to rebuild supply lines and to get some type of a supply line security system set up, whether it means onshoring a lot of that in North America or just putting it in friendlier countries or warehousing higher amounts of products rather than just-in-time deliveries, which are more efficient, but not necessarily more effective in a crisis. And the fact that the geopolitical instability is causing virtually every country in the world to invest larger amounts of money in defense. And the fact that, again, virtually every country in the world has raised their interest rates to the extent that their payment on the debt is increasing at astronomical amounts. When you factor all those things in, it's again one of the reasons I think interest rates are likely to remain higher for longer and we're no longer in an artificially suppressed era of cheap money. Well, all that to me translates into sticky, persistent inflation. Not hyperinflation, not Weimar Republic inflation, not inflation that's going to drive gold and silver to the moon but just sticky, inconvenient, annoying inflation. And if that's true, and if interest rates do remain higher, then like I said, valuations on stocks have to be readjusted, and that means that stock prices likely have to go lower. But those are all topics for another day. I just want to end by saying that in the previous episode, I ended the podcast by doing a segment where I attempted to cough in Morse code. Now, I found that extremely humorous. My wife, on the other hand, didn't like it at all. 
And so I've gone back and I've edited that portion of the podcast. So if you listen to the archived episode, it'll be slightly different than the original episode. Now I bring this up not to show a disparity between my wife and my sense of humor, but to note that the sources of censorship on my podcast are ever increasing. I mean, who knew that Mrs. Pugliano actually listened to the Wellsteading podcast? So that means that going forward, I will have to be even more cautious in what I say. And I'll have to take into account not only the IRS and the SEC, but, you know, Apple algorithms and now my wife's consternation. In any case, I am definitely thinking about coming up with a decoder ring so that the true intent of my message can be preserved. Well, hey, until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.